Hi, I'm Chuck Fletcher. Hi, my name is Olivia Young, coach of the Flyers. Hey, I'm Travis Konechny. Hey, this is Jeremy Roenick. Hi, this is Travis Sanheim. Hi, I'm Paul Hogan. Hey, I'm Scott Lawton. Hi, I'm Joel Farabee. Hi, this is Bob Clark. And you're listening to Snow the Goalie. 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 Yes! Ladies and gentlemen, the day has finally arrived. It's finally here. It's been months in the making, and quite honestly, it is going to be a fundamental shift, a paradigm shift, if you will, in the entire landscape of Flyers podcasting. Hell, in, in Philadelphia sports podcasting, a big announcement that we've been teasing week after week. It's finally arrived, and it's such a big deal that even Anthony has been smiling. Anthony, before we make the announcement itself, uh, yeah. how are you feeling now that we finally reached this moment? Russ, it's September 1st. We're recording this on September 1st. And it's first of all, it's amazing to me that it's already September uh, of 2021. It just feels like we just started this podcast yesterday when we started it in what was it? March of 2018, I believe. Um, and it's it's time has just flown by. But I'm so thrilled that we've gotten to the point that we've gotten that we can actually make this announcement today that we can, that we can say that we're growing, that snow, the goalie is, is no longer going to be just a two person operation. Now, in fairness, neither of us are pregnant, which is good. So when we say that it's growing, at least it doesn't come at the expense of, you know, our temples, right? Our bodies. (laughs) Uh, But yes, we are very happy to introduce a very familiar face, a very familiar sound to the people, somebody who Flyers fans have been clamoring for for over a year to get back into the broadcasting game, back into the analysis game. And now, ladies and gentlemen, we welcome for the very first time as an official member of Snow the Goalie, the only Flyers podcast, the People's Podcast, the Players Podcast, the Prognosticators Podcast, the Presidential Podcast, the Light Podcast, Papers Podcast, Chris Terrian. Bundy is back, baby. I am officially back. It's probably the worst kept secret in all of like Philadelphia (laughs) hockey. I've had people guessing. I was reading some Twitter stuff, but it is great to officially be back. And, uh, you know, I don't know if people knew, but I've been kind of like tethered a little bit the last year and August 31st ended my official uh, run with the Flyers after um, uh, the severance had come to a close. So now it's, uh, Open season again on all hockey players and anything <laughs> hockey paraphernalia in the Delaware Valley. You know what, though? But seriously, I mean, like, this is a great, great thing. And, and I've been looking for a platform to uh, to come out to. I talked to you guys in the summer multiple times. And I had talked to, you know, Derek over at Nasty Knuckles, who I was with a long time, and a couple of the other local ones. And this one just made so much sense uh, with both you guys. And I'm, I'm telling you right now, I'm thrilled to be a part of this and uh, and adding as much flair uh, as I can through the through the upcoming season. So, so you mean everybody in, uh, you know, involved with hockey in Philadelphia, you know, they need to put on their uh, bulletproof vests now, right? Because, because you know, we're, we're unleashing you on them. Is that correct? Yeah, I mean, I, <laughs> I, you know, I think it, that's actually funny because people say, you know, like I, I'll say what's on my mind. But the truth is, when I when I did the broadcasting before, I mean, I'd always told people I'm not going to do this unless I'm allowed to be who I am. And it's the right. same guy I was in the locker room, the same guy I was whenever a media approached me when I played, which wasn't a lot, but uh, you know, I mean, that's who I was. And I don't, you know, I, I think people say, well, you're, you're either harsh or you're, you're too much sometimes, but you know what? I'm fair because yes. the same guy, if the guy shits the bed on the ice, 
and then he has a great game. I'm also going to say that guy had a great game. So, yeah. I, you know, I, and, and I don't pull any punches. And I, and I say that about myself and how I judge myself in, in hockey and life. And that's the way it should be. You know, I don't think that there's time or, or room if you're playing pro sports. If people are spending two to three hundred dollars to go watch you play and perform, uh, you better show up. And that's the way I looked at it. And I know some nights you're going to have an off night. It's just not going to be your night. I understand that too. But fair and honest broadcasting and analysis is what I've always provided. Uh, I think it rubs some people wrong, to be quite honest with you, in the Flyers front office. And that's just too darn bad. Uh, I'm back. And uh, maybe they, re- they realize over the years that they're actually paying me to not speak the truth. Um, and as much truth as I actually did speak. So uh, they can suck on that one for a while right now. <laughs> well, I guess, I mean, I guess, I mean, just, just while we're on that topic, um, I mean, it, there were limitations, right? I mean, like, I mean, I remember when I, when I worked for the team that I was allowed to write something critical, but it was within reason, right? It was allowed, I mean, I had to, I had to limit it a little bit. And I think that you probably felt, you know, the same way that, you know, you could be critical, but at the same time, you, you couldn't really go overboard because, of the of because you were a member of the team, right? Let me give you an example. Uh, the best example I can give you of recent memory when the Flyers, and it was my last game, I did the last game that I did covered for NBC was the game seven against the Islanders, which the Flyers never should have been to game seven anyway. That game itself was the biggest dumpster fire, no show I've ever seen. The leaders of the Flyers in that game were pathetic. And it was, it was honestly, God, it was an embarrassment. I was embarrassed. I wanted to go under my desk and I really wanted to come out and say, this was the most pathetic job of leading a team I've ever seen in my life. And it was, it was God awful. And, but I didn't, I kind of danced around it and it made me sick dancing around it because I knew that there was something tied to it, you know? Yeah. So there was that Anthony, I understand what you're saying about that, but you know, again, it's, um, I'm, I'm more about, I'm not so much, uh, I'm, I, I think I probably have more of the Philly, adopted more of the Philly style and the way they are. I mean, I go to Eagles games. I talk to every single fan I can. I love the people when I go up to buildings, baseball games, whatever it is. I, I don't want, I sit, I sit in regular seats. That's the way it is when I go to games and I love it. But, you know, again, I, I just was, I was, I, I say fair and honest when I came to broadcasting and I think it was, but that game there, uh, was just one example of what I really wanted to just explode. But then I'm thinking to myself, well, what good is it going to do? Well, somebody didn't like it anyway. So, right. you know, it didn't matter. So you, that's why I'm saying if you're going to do this job, you may as well do it with honesty and integrity than be some phony that's out there telling people stuff that's not true anyway, just right. for the sake of the players. I'm not in this. I hope the Flyers do well. I want them to win a Stanley Cup. I want to see a parade on Broad Street but I'm not going to sit around and skirt it and dance around the subjects. If the team's not good, I'm going to say it. And last right. year they were pathetic in the playoff performance against the Islanders. they never should have gotten to a game seven. And the performance they showed in that game was absolutely hideous. And I would have made changes right then and there, right after that. Yeah. It's amazing. That was only like a year ago. You know, isn't that, yeah. isn't, isn't that crazy? That, yeah, it, we, yeah, we, had a, we had a whole nother season in between, but it was only a year ago from, from the, yeah. I think it was like the second or the third of September. Um, uh, and and the thing of it is, you know, it, it's one thing for Russ or I to to levy criticism like that. It's another thing when you do it because you 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 were there. You've been in the locker room. You've played the game. Uh, you had a lengthy and successful career in the sport. So it's one thing for us to sit here as as people who are analyzing it from a chair. Um, but it's an, it's a it means a little bit different, I think, to the to the fan base to hear it when it comes from someone like you. 
Yeah, and, and, and I agree, guys. But, I mean, there's a lot of good hockey people. I mean, like the broadcasters, I've said this before, whether, you know, like even Jim Jackson or Timmy Saunders, who, I mean, I thought Timmy was brilliant yeah. uh, the, the, in, in his radio job. And, I mean, I love I loved doing it. But, you know, those guys knew hockey too, you know. So, that I always felt like I told them, said, guys, you have an opinion on the game, share that. And mm-hmm. I say the same to you and Russ. Like, don't don't feel like you're not going to – that I'm going to be coming in to have a different opinion of it. Right. Just what I see in the game that night. Um, and, and I, and I think the biggest thing is I go in, uh, like I said, with integrity to say, I want this team to win, but if, it, if there's no effort on the ice, that's the one thing that I think everybody knows in Philadelphia and it's, there's no secret. If you go out and you screw the pooch in front of your fan base, especially in this town, you're going to hear about it. Mm-hmm. You know, I go back to, I put a tweet out the other day about those Mets players. I mean, if you did that in Philly, you may you as well imagine. just get a bus ticket out. Like, that was one of the most baby sissy things I've ever seen in my life by a bunch of players. I've been booed in Philadelphia gloriously, gloriously booed in this town. And you know what? But I've all, people say, oh, you got booed. Maybe you didn't deserve it sometimes. Maybe I didn't, but I also, I, I also heard it and it made me want to be better. Right. You know, and, and I'll also say this people say, oh, I got booed there. I've also been cheered really loud in this town also. So the same guy that's booing me is the same guy that's cheering me or, woman, or vice versa, a woman doing the same thing. That's part of being in a city. And especially, you know what, when I look back at it now with the sports fabric of this town, I feel blessed to have played in this town. You know, I mean, it means something to play in Philadelphia. It means something as an athlete that you, that especially when you played here, like I played here longer than a decade. I mean, that to me might be the accomplishment, the greatest accomplishment of it all. I mean, it's a tough, this is a tough town. Yeah. And, and, uh, and you're right. You're right. That yeah. never would it, it, I don't care who you are, what town, how talented a player you are, the, this fan base would never forget that. You could never recover from it. It would be a stigma that you carry with you for the rest of your career in this city. Yeah. 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 It, no, it's true. And you can't. So, again, I said, I mean, there's a, listen, there's a new era of athlete out there. It's not, yeah. it's not the late two, the 90s or the 80s or 70s or 70s. I mean, you know, they'd be arrested now in this world. We're in. I mean, you'd have, you'd have the Flyers brass now. Coming down on the players, like, that's just too rough out there. You know, we don't like that kind of style of hockey. It's awful. You know, where's Gritty? Can we get him involved in this? You know, it's a joke. Like, that. but seriously, that's going back the errors of hockey. But you know what? When I go to a game, guys, not for nothing, there's even before the pandemic started, there's 11,000 people there at 730, 20 minutes into a game. That never happened in Philadelphia before. So if you yep. want to go back and reexamine the product and take a good, hard look, at what this league has done to it the last 20 years, it's right there in front of you because yeah. the fans see it. There's never been a day that I've been, when I played here at some of the bodies we had, the people, the players that I've ever seen an empty Wells Fargo center. I yeah. mean, it was empty before the pandemic. So I don't want to hear that the pandemic caused, uh, you know, people a shortage of a bad hockey team with a pandemic. You're really in trouble. Yeah. And that's, that's, its, that, that's its own interesting thing as well, because Anthony and I were on another show last night and we talked about this, but, you think about the way that last season started where Wells Fargo center was full of players, coaches, a few essential personnel to run the arena and then some media like us. And there was that real hunger and that real clamoring for having access to Wells Fargo center to go out and to root for the orange and black. And then once things opened back up, you started seeing that even as they continue to increase what the theoretical capacity could be, it didn't make it a difference because the product on the ice didn't connect with the fans. And it, it will be an interesting thing. And we're obviously going to get into this in a bit. 
But when you think about what the team was last year and how it underachieved in the way that it did, or maybe in the way that it wasn't set up to be as successful as it should have been, you saw the apathy kind of set in that had existed pre-pandemic. And that in and of itself is something that this team has to get right this season. And there are plenty of reasons to think this team will be better than last year's squad. Um, but it, it cannot be overstated just how, I, I think, how much of an impact it made to see so many empty seats after people begged and pleaded to get back into an arena and people still didn't want to show up. Now, you can, you can obviously kind of couch that as, well, you know, there were mask mandates and maybe that's not as enjoyable of an experience. And you can, you can certainly chalk some of it up to that. But when there are thousands upon thousands of empty seats in an arena for a franchise that has always had a very passionate, outspoken fan base and nobody wants to come in and watch these games, it's a telling sign. Uh, I do want to point out really quickly because, you know, we started kind of going down this road. Uh, the stuff that Bundy is going to be doing with this show is going to be really interesting. And, and I certainly am looking forward to a few of the different things that we've got planned. He actually mentioned a little bit ago about meeting with fans and talking to fans and, you know, COVID pending on a few of these things. We are planning on doing some things out outside of our homes and maybe even catching some games with people and doing some events as the season wears on. And so it'll be a great opportunity, obviously, for people who have, you know, enjoyed listening to you as, as you've analyzed this team in the past and, and we'll continue to listen to it going forward. We're actually going to get out there and, and talk to a lot of these people. It's, it's funny. I said to Anthony the other day, our show has grown so much in the two and a half years that we've been doing it. I went to settle on our, our house. I went to closing and our mortgage guy looked at me like five minutes in and goes, wait a second, you write for crossing broad. You snow the goalie. That's you. And I was like, Oh, that's cool. I don't expect things like that to happen, but apparently our reach has now continued to grow and grow and grow. And I look forward to having Bundy on this show. And I certainly am looking forward to a, a thing that we have planned. That's going to be going out on all of the social media channels uh, where Bundy's going to be breaking down some film and some things that are going on around the games. We're going to be doing everything we can to maximize uh, Bundy and everything that he is capable of doing. So I do want to let people know that it's more than just the podcast itself. And at the same time, you know, we are obviously eternally grateful to those of you who have listened to this show from day one, to those of you who have listened from, you know, year two, for those of you who have only started listening a few weeks ago. And we certainly are looking forward to uh, taking this thing to the next level. With all of that said, Bunny, when you take a look at the moves that have been made this offseason, and you look at the additions of so many players that have worn letters on their sweaters, uh, where do you think this team right now stands as opposed to where they did a season ago. And do you think that Chuck Fletcher's apparent decision to, to go out and acquire those kinds of players is going to pay dividends for this team this season? It's a fair question, Ross. And I think, you know, when you look at it, I mean, I know one thing that can happen and I know I kept, I go back to it. Gritty cannot be the face of the franchise again this year. He just cannot be, or it's going to be, it'll be a disaster. So Chuck went out to try to repair um, you know, what a lot of, a lot of the things that, uh, had gone wrong. And I know we talked, uh, maybe early summer when I came on with you guys about it. And I think there's a couple things. I, first of all, um, nothing gets moves forward for this team unless number 79 rebounds. So we'll, we'll come back to that after, 
but nothing else, Matt. I don't care if you had, uh, you know, Nick, Nicholas Lidstrom and Raymond Bork back there. If he can't be better than he was, which by, I think he will be better. He has to be. There's nothing that's shown that it was a, a different type of year for him that I think the Flyers will progress forward. Uh, we'll go from the back up to the front. Uh, defensively, I like the Yandel signing. I think it's fine. He's at the end of his career, uh, clearly, but for, uh, you know, veteran minimum to come in with some power play um, uh, credibility, he could certainly help a lot of the younger guys. I think it's a good move to have a guy like, uh, like Keith Yandel in here. Um, Ryan Ellis, uh, a really good, a good signing, a really good sign. Uh, he's another guy that's um, had a good career in Nashville. He's been a probably, he's probably played a lot behind, even at the beginning behind a guy like uh, Roman Yossi, or I, I think he was there with Shea Weber for a little bit before Montreal. I'm just, that's, I'm almost certain of that. But I think he's been kind of a guy who's been left in the, the back uh, drop a little bit, even though he's a very good player. But, and I'm going to say this, I'll say it again. Provorov's not a number one defenseman, and I, he'll never be a number one defenseman to me. Um, he's been around enough now to know that that's not the kind of number one defenseman you're going to win a cup with. But if you have a partner that he played well with a guy like Niskanen, and Ellis is that guy, then I think you could have a number one pairing that translates a couple of guys that are maybe number two or three defensemen that they can elevate to a number one pair. And that happens a lot. Not everybody has Victor Hedman, right? Like there's only Tampa Bay has it. But I look at a guy like, actually, I say that team Tampa, I think Provorov is more like a Sergachev type of player than the, if the Flyers think he, I don't think they can possibly think he's Victor Hedman. No. Uh, if they do, then there's major problems already. Uh, but that Ellis, I think really helps. Um, getting rid of Myers, I think is a, it was a good thing too, because I don't think he's really going to further advance the ball in terms of where he's at in his game. I thought he had a hard time thinking the hockey game and the, and the puck was not his friend, especially below the goal line. Uh, so moving him and Patrick out for Ellis, I think is, is it's a lot, it's a lot to give up for an aging player, but I still think it makes sense. Then you go back up front again, guys. And I think this is really where, where things get, um, uh, hold on a second. You, uh, you, you passed on the you passed on, uh, the most so polarizing acquisition on that defensive end. <laughs> So I, you know, Look at you already I, trying to avoid the controversy. You just not, no, he's Ross, already phoning it in and he doesn't want to get in. He doesn't want to get involved in, in hot is, button issues. Russ, see, you're, you're 30 years old, Russ. This is what happens with age. We start to forget things at our age. Yeah, and by the way, now I already forgot the forward I was going to talk about. So you got to bring that one up to me again in a minute. Ristolainen. So, you know, what's really funny with him. Yeah. I, I admire his compete level and I watched him in Buffalo. You know, what's really funny. I'll tell you something about him. I watched him maybe the first few games he played in Buffalo as a rookie because I think I was doing radio or still uh, just got between the benches. And I never watched him improve one time in the six years he was there. He never got better one single time after the first. And I saw him as a rookie. I'm like, boy, he's going to be a real good player. He's a good rookie. He still played like a rookie six years later. So, I mean, I've seen that happen. You don't expect it to happen. Now, whether that's because of the absolute disaster and dumpster fire that is the Buffalo Sabres and has been for – 15, 18 years now, um, you know, or is it just simply because he's had bad coaching? I, I don't know. The players around him. But that'll be an interesting one. The one thing I like, though, he competes hard, but I don't want to see a guy running 12 feet out of his way to try to finish a guy, uh, and then there's a two-on-one in front of him. Right. Well, if I could stop you just for a second, yeah. just on Ristolainen, does it, does it intrigue you at all that there were um, seven other teams who made offers for him? And you know, the Flyers were the one that got to the. So, in other words, that there's enough interest around the league in a player like that who maybe 
stagnated that, 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 that teams still think that there's enough there that can come out of, that can grow in, he'll still grow in his game. He's a he's been around. classic, classic restoration project for mm-hmm. teams. And the reason the Flyers got him is they offered the highest first round pick. Right. You know, nobody else is going to give. I mean, I couldn't believe they gave that up for him, but I mean, they did. And, and that's fine. There's caught, there's a cost of doing business now with the cap. Um, he's just, uh, you know, again, I, I don't know what, I hope he gets better because I think there's some sandpaper to his game. But again, just from what I saw, he never, ever got one bit better in any game I ever saw him uh, play. And, you know, uh, I thought when he first got him, and the same thing looks, it's funny when you talk about him, it's ironic how uh, Rasmus Dahlin has had just two kind of mediocre years too, where, you know, he's been, you know, kind of tagged as the next Victor Hedman or Nicholas Lidstrom type of player. And it looks like he's had a real struggle too in Buffalo. So it may just be a Buffalo thing. It wouldn't surprise me. All right. Now you want to go up front. I got you forward the forward. I guess yeah, the name you forgot was probably Cam Atkinson. Okay. So this one here, uh, yeah, this is the most bizarre trade in the history of trades. If you think about it, I mentioned to people like, man, can you believe we got Cam Atkinson for Voracek? And I'm like, yeah, how the hell did that happen? Like you have Voracek who completely despised Columbus. Like it might as well have been Moscow for all intents and purposes. Yeah. I'm not, he's from the Czech Republic. It's all, it's, I mean, he's told me, he's like, it's the worst town I've ever been to in my life. I hated it there. So he accepted a trade or no, he had not, he, he didn't have a no movement. So they send him back to Columbus for a guy in Atkinson who by all intents and purposes is just a class act, a good locker room guy. Uh, he had a down year, but they're going to trade him for Voracek? I couldn't understand that. So unless I'm missing something here, guys, or, or maybe Columbus knew something that I don't know, that trade almost makes no sense to me at all, except that the numbers kind of match, right, at the, at the end of the day. Well, I mean, what do you guys think about that one? So, I, I mean, obviously, I think it was – there needed to be a change with the leadership group, right? Like, I mean, you five, even talk- like five years ago, but anyway, we'll stick right. with it. I mean, you talked about that, right? So there yeah. needed to be a change with the leadership group. Um, and, and so you bring in a guy who's got, you know, a, a great – a lot of you, know, you have a lot of respect for the way he plays the game. A lot of were you about to res- say gritty? You were about to say gritty. No, 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 no. I was not about to say gritty. I don't like that. They word. could have dressed him. They'd have played him. I'm telling you right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, but I, I so the trade is interesting to me from from that perspective. Um, but you got to wonder. I mean, it's not just that he had a down year. He actually had two down years. I mean, I, I, it's, I kind of chalk. You know, you could chalk maybe one of them up to COVID, but I don't know. Um, but at the same time, you go back and say this guy was also a 40 goal scorer at one point. Um, exactly. So, like, can he get back to that? If he gets back to being a 40 goal scorer, this is a slam dunk for the Flyers. It's, it's got- not so much I'm asking, guys, in terms of, you know, why did the Columbus Blue Jackets acquire Jake Voracek? It's why did they give up Cam Atkinson for Jake Voracek? Right. That's the part I'm confused on because it looks almost too good to be true. Well, so if something's too good to be true, it's usually too good to be true. Okay, well, the other the only thing I can think of there is that, and this is what this is where it might not make sense right now, but Columbus to me has to be in a little bit of a rebuild, right? I mean, they fired the coach, they lose Seth Jones, um, and now you get rid of Atkinson. You bring in Voracek, but maybe maybe you bring in Voracek because at the trade deadline his deal his contract's a little bit more palatable because it's only got two years left on it. And maybe somebody at that point is willing to make a trade for him. And Columbus feels like they can get something for him. And, you know, they've now blown out the salary. It just took them a little bit longer to do it 
whereas they weren't 100% sure they could get that out of yeah. Atkinson, get that for yeah, Atkinson. No, no, and, and there's absolutely a business side to this. I just, I guess just on paper, from a pure standpoint of trade for trade, it looked like you had a malcontent going for a guy who was basically very happy in, or, you know, like yeah. was happy, signed a long-term deal in Columbus. So I just, it just felt like it didn't pass the eye test for me when I first saw it, but maybe it is just what it is. It's just a financial move and, and a change of scenery for both guys. I, yeah. I love Jake when he was here. Like he was unbelievable to me when I did the games, like, you know, he was great. He's always accessible. Uh, a lot of the older guys were, so I wish him luck. I know that he was, he was kind of funny. Uh, I think the last couple of years, he just kind of went off the cuff some nights, uh, Jake with, uh, you know, his interview last year, I think was it in the bubble with uh, Mike Sealski and, and he would kind of, he, Jake just flew around, but you know, I got along great with him and I wish him nothing but luck. He was a funny guy and a character yeah. and I admire that somebody. Yeah. He's a good, good dude. Really good dude. Um, and then the other moves Wait, up guys, front were two, two depth, depth guys, two yeah. depth forwards in Nate Thompson making his triumphant return as well as Derek Broussard. Yeah. So yeah, the Nate Thompson one, I'm actually fine with. Like, I think it's a good move. I think it's, yeah. you know, he was a good penalty killer when he was here. And I think he's, you know, he just does his job, right? You know, you know what you're going to get from him. Um, and Derek Broussard, you know, so I get, I, I know it's a tragic situation because I went through it myself. You know, I lost my sister suddenly. She was 32. And, you know, who knows what Kevin Hayes is going to be like this year. So I know he, he, he was with Broussard in, in New York. And I don't know if there's a relationship there where they're very, very close. I know Broussard played well for Vino in his days when he was in New York. Um, but, again, I think that gives him another added layer of a guy who's been around, pretty versatile player, uh, Broussard. You know, he's well past any of his prime and he's probably going to be a, a guy that goes in and out of the lineup a lot. But uh, I just think maybe this – I don't know if there's something with that with the Kevin Hayes situation. It's, it's so sad. I mean, it really is. And, um, yeah. uh, and again, that, that becomes an unknown as well. And I've been through that, so I, and I know where, where a person's head can be uh, – shortly after an incident like that yeah well we were talking with with um colby cohen last week because he kind of grew up with uh, he played hockey yeah. up in massachusetts played with jimmy hayes played with played with those guys and and he you know he was pointing out that there are now several um guys who the flyers have brought in who are close with kevin so atkinson is close with with hayes and and yandel yandel and kevin hayes are really close friends and then you got broussard so you, you got some people in here who will be a nice support system in the locker room for him uh, as, as he goes forward. So I think that that's, that's probably, that's probably a good thing as well. And then the, the last player that was brought in, and this is the one that really I'm the most skeptical about Chris is that Martin Jones as the guy to be the, the guy who's going to share time and goal. And, and they kind of made it out to be, look, it's not going to be 50, 50, but it's probably gonna be 55, 45 percentage wise. Um, and that's kind of how they do goaltending. They, they treat goalies like starting pitchers nowadays. Uh, you know, no goalies playing 65, 70 games anymore, really. Um, I don't know about soft, Anthony. They're soft. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't, I don't know. I mean, you know, they're taking a chance that Kim Dillball is going to, find what was in Martin Jones when he was a prospect for the Kings and, and completely forget about the fact that he was mediocre at best and really bad at times with San Jose over the course of the last five years. Yeah. And, and, and to me, that, that, that is more about uh, uh, financials at that point. Like why would you pay him the same money? You could have gotten Braden Holtby or at least taken a shot at getting Braden Holtby. Right. Uh, I mean, Martin, I, I, I'm, I don't, I didn't, that was a move for me. I didn't get like, unless there's a relationship thing, but 
didn't we try that already? Like with his friend there that actually played well last year, uh, Talbot. Cam Talbot, yeah, yeah. yeah. He couldn't stop a beach ball when he played here in Philly, but there he was starting in the playoffs last year somewhere. So again, you know, it shows you guys the lack of depth of goaltending in this league. To be quite honest with you, and what guy and what perception is of what people think that they can find in, in a guy that, yeah, you know, is Martin Jones in a mentor type role? Is Carter Hart still need a mentor? Is Carter Hart the? You know, I think the one thing with goaltending, and, and, I, and this is just something I've seen over the years, you need a one and you need a two. You don't need a one and a one and a half. And, uh, and, and I think that you don't ever want to be in a situation. I think guys have happened where your starting goalie has been so bad that you have to rely on your backup. And I, that happened to the flyers last year, you know, Elliot, I think I know this, he played way more games than he thought he was told he was ever going to play, you know, because the other goalie didn't had a terrible year. So yeah. you get, again, you get a guy like Martin Jones. And if something happens to the starter, you know, I always look at it like, Pretend your your starting goalie's out. How does that look if you had to put the the, the secondary back in it uh, up for the duration of the time? Say there's 50 games and you had to play with Martin Jones. That's probably not good, right? Like right. I mean, it's in terms of your team, you can have a great team. And that's what I said when I opened the show was that nothing else matters unless your goaltender gets back to to relevancy where he's making where he has to make one great save a night to keep the team in it. Well, that's something that I, has... I still don't think they're there yet. I don't. Yeah, I mean that that's the thing that I think I think people should be the most fearful about is I, I know that Holtby's numbers dropped off the last two years, but Martin Jones was a flaming dumpster fire over that time as well. The idea conceptually of saying, well, because he's worked with this goalie coach years ago, it's gonna somehow like rekindle some sort of magic. Like that to me is just like that's beyond taking a flyer. That's just like praying into the wind. And it doesn't make sense because you know, this is the thing that I was so hard on Chuck Fletcher about last year that I've given him credit for in his adjustments this year. But like last year, it felt like uh, they were trying to force young players into expanded roles. Like they were expecting four or five young players to really take that next step. They wanted Phil Myers to prove himself. They wanted Travis Sanheim to prove himself. They wanted Nolan Patrick to take the next step forward. They wanted to see Travis Konechny continue to grow. Um, they, they eventually wanted to see Oscar Lindblom return to some sort of normalcy. And that was a lot to expect. And it was a lot of ifs. And it was a lot of relying on young players that like it, there just wasn't enough of a track record or enough indicators, I thought, going into last season that that said, yes, this will happen, or at least 80% of these moves will happen. So when I look at this, I, I'm fearful because Anthony and I had this, this debate about what Carter Hart is right now and like the confidence level in him. And I look at it and I say, if he's not the guy, like if, if he doesn't immediately establish himself early in this season as the dominant force he was at home, home two years ago, you're in trouble. If he doesn't at least figure out a way to balance. And I, I, I know people get really pissed off because I go back to two years ago where the home road splits were garbage. Horrible. If he, if he can't figure out a way to, mitigate some of the damage on the road it could be bad and you don't have a guy who has upside potential like Holtby yes bad for two years Holtby has also been a proven commodity in this league and on the op, you know on the offshoot that you want a Stanley Cup for God's sake yeah not, yeah, not I mean, that long ago and, yeah <laughs> and, right. and like on on the off chance or what you hope is the off chance that Carter Hart either gets in his own head again or gets injured 
or you need to go to your backup for an extended period or even for five games, a five or six game stretch, I would feel way more confident in Holtby than I would in like trying to, I don't know, like pull the spirit and soul out of like a past iteration of Martin Jones. Like it doesn't make sense to me. And that it flies so in the face of everything else that was done. You jettisoned Nolan Patrick, you jettisoned Phil Myers, you replaced them with vets. This one just doesn't make sense to me. And I, I will be genuinely surprised if we get to the end of January and Martin Jones is the backup. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if two months into the season, they're already out on, on the trade wire looking for somebody else to bring in. But that's what, I'm, that's what I'm saying, though, is at the same time, like Carter Hart to me is going to have to be Carter Hart of two years ago playing 85% of the games. I, I mean, that's, that's a realistic theory on, in terms of where this season's at because it, I look at the team on the ice and the front end of, of the forward load that they still have. And I still, I'm still not 100% sure it's a playoff team, guys. I'm just going to be dead honest with you. Right now, improved or not, yeah, they got some better players in. And, you know, I hope guys get back to where they were. Konechny, uh, Kevin Hayes. I hope other guys take a, a step forward again. But, again, if your goaltending is not good, if your goaltending is a repeat of last year, your record will be the same as it was last year, except there'll be 80 games of it, 82 games. Do, do you think that – giving him the contract that they gave him kind of eases his mind a little bit because they gave him, they gave him like a, a record setting contract for, for a goalie that young. Well, I mean, uh, yeah. And they, I think that they, it, you know, you get guys that get lucky like that. Like he got lucky. He should know that like yeah. he, didn't, he didn't earn that based on what his play. Right. So they're right. trying to say, let's see if we can give him a little bit more money to entice his mind and to say, okay, we really do believe in you. You know, it actually happened in reverse with Sandheim a little bit because they ended up having to qualify him at that number. And I know they didn't want to pay him that number based on what happened last season. But that's what happens when you get a guy to a minimum, then you got to pay him that again if you want to retain him. There's just not enough good defensemen in the league and there's not enough good goaltenders. You right. can find wingers falling off of trees and you always will forever and ever in the history of the sport. Uh, the, big, the good ones are the ones that go hard to the front of the net. But I, again, man, I'm telling you, it's just to me, it's, it's goaltending in the playoffs. Uh, you know, you can have a good team like Tampa, but boy, it's sure nice to have a guy like Vasilevsky that's really, really as yeah. eager as the players to go up, dominate his game, like getting shutouts and clinchers. I mean, that's the kind of goaltending that that guy, he just loves to play. And mm -hmm. that's why he's the best in the business right now. He's got two cups and probably has the best chance of winning three in a row of any team in quite some while. Um, one of the things that Russ and I were talking about yesterday um, over the, at the end of the season last year in the, in his final press conference, Elaine Vigneault, uh, I asked him three times in that same press conference to commit to coming back as the coach this year. Um, and all three times he refused to say yes. He also didn't say no, but he also refused to say, yes, I will be back. But he danced around the issue several times and talked about how he wanted things to be different, how he wanted a, a different mentality he wanted a real season he you know it, like last season was the most frustrating season of his career blah 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 etc i i think that when you look at the the moves that chuck fletcher made they reek of players who will fit av's system and av style so does this put him on the clock now that he has the guys that the kinds of players that he wants 
does as a coach, does this does this put him on the clock? And if this team by the holidays is still kind of scuffling and battling for that last playoff spot, do, do we almost see like this be almost a St. Louis situation where you move on and bring in a coach, a different coach and that hopefully can jumpstart the group? You know, it's funny. I mean, I'll, before I get back to AV, I mean, you mentioned St. Louis. You got a guy, yeah. Greg Ruby, took a worst place team in January to a Stanley Cup and won, right? He could be on thin ice if the team doesn't have a great year this year. That just shows right. you what the coaching carousel is like in hockey, right? right? And he's not, Chief knows that. He's not stupid. I mean, he's been around a long time. Same with AV. I mean, he, these guys are all, I mean, and he's making a ton of money. He makes probably makes more than, I mean, I guess two thirds of the team, the coach right. does. Yeah, which yeah. never happens, but I mean, it does. So, uh, you know, again, and that doesn't mean anything, but yes, if he asked Chuck or he had his hand uh, in on these player acquisitions, it'll be a lot easier for the Chuck to say to himself, well, you asked me for them. I went and got them. And that's how, that's how coaches get canned. I mean, I've always felt like AV was kind of a quasi general manager anyway. I mean, he's been around too long. I think you have a guy here where he maybe tell the GM what to go do, and maybe the GM goes and does it. But I think, you know, and again, you know, the other thing too with AV, it's a frustrating year. But you know, it's really frustrating too when you don't have uh, when you don't have a guy like Lundquist uh, or uh, Roberto Luongo back there. You know, AV is one of those guys you can go back and sit back in his chair with his martini and go, "Boy, I've had some good goaltending over the years. It's been really good <laughs> last year. I didn't." And, Boy, I can't commit to coming back next year, but you know, I sure hope that goaltender works out next year again. That's almost the way it is. But he's been he's been blessed. My point is, I laugh at it. He's been blessed to have been uh, given great goaltending as uh, a head coach in, during his ten years in this league, and it didn't happen last year. And um, you know, he didn't like it. Yeah, guys, I want to I want to play a game. I enjoy games. I think a game is a good way to break up a couple of things here. Who has more pressure on them going into this upcoming season, Carter Hart or Elaine Vigneault? Call Carter Hart for me, hundred percent. It's not even close, actually, for me. That's just for me. Well, I mean, when you say more pressure, so that's where I get. That's where I, I my initial reaction would have been Carter Hart too, but I, Carter Hart's not going to lose his job this year, and that's why I think that if you're saying who has more pressure. I think the coach actually has more pressure because I think there's a chance the coach could lose his job this year. Whereas Carter Hart signed for three years and he's going to be here. So that's he why I, using that he word. But if he on, doesn't sorry. play well, I've been in Philadelphia long enough. They're not True. just keep tapping them and going, Oh, everything's going to be okay, kid. You know, we got your back. Okay. It's win or get out. And if yeah. that gets into his mindset, I've seen it happen guys to many players here. If that gets into his head and he's got three years left, You'd be wishing you found a way to get rid of him and keep the coach because the coach would get fired and he'd be like, I got fired, but I'm still making that $5 million. So yeah. you know what? See you later. And uh, good luck the rest of the year. That's yeah. what happened. So yeah, is there, if the, if the coach is absolutely dying to, to, and he believes he has a Stanley cup winner here, then yes, the pressure's on him. But if the goaltender comes in with a three-year contract and he has the same start he had last year, and he starts feeling the weight of, of Philadelphia on his shoulders then then absolutely the pressure's on 79 and not the head coach. That makes sense. For those reasons alone. That makes sense. Yeah, makes sense. All right. One of the other things that's come up, and we talked about this a little bit ago, but the idea of putting so many veterans in this lineup and then allowing for a young player to potentially break through in camp, as opposed to throwing them into the fire and hoping that they can perform or throwing them into the water and hoping they can swim. Which player is more likely to make a meaningful impact on this season, as in, you know, it depends on how you want to, you know, qualify that. Is it 
the number of games they play? Is it the amount that Elaine Vigneault feels like he can rely on a guy down the stretch? Which player do we see a bigger impact from this season? Cam York or Morgan Frost? You want to jump on it, Anthony, first? I got to think about this one because it's really an interesting, it's an interesting I, question. It is a good question. And I'm, I'm going to go with Cam York um, only because I think that it's a situation. I think Yandel's situation here is a little bit more tenuous than maybe some of the forwards. Um, of course, you know, if, like you said, if Broussard could be in and out of the lineup and if, if they, they lack scoring, they're going to turn to a guy like Frost. So, you know, he'll, he might get a chance first. But I think that York is a guy that ultimately that they look at and say he's less than a year away from being NHL ready. Um, and if, you know, if Keith Yandel by mid-January is not playing the kind of game that we need him to play, then we can bring up Cam York and he can be the, you know, the third pair defenseman for the for the stretch run as we try and make a push for the playoffs. And I think that will be far more important of a role than being the third or fourth line center, which Morgan Frost would probably be when he gets called up. He's, he's a real problem. Like he's a, he's a problem for coaches because they don't really know what to do with him. Right. He's. It's almost like if the lot, if the league had five lines, he'd be a perfect third liner, mm-hmm. but you know, again, I don't know how close he is to playing in your top two where there's offense. Um, he would have to be a third liner. I, I think in this, you know, for him to stay here, him on the fourth line, unless fourth lines are going strictly now to a different, you know, if they're not, they're going to take any of the energy out of a, a fourth line. I mean, which to me is ridiculous. We try to go with a scoring fourth line. I don't think at the end of the day, unless they're incredible, you're dealing with incredible skill, that that's going to be uh, something that's going to make your team better through the course of a long season. I still think you need those, uh, those grinder types, yeah. uh, Barkley, Goodrow, those guys in Tampa that just big bodies and just take up space wear the other team down for a minute, you know, a minute and a half uh, every period. It, it pays dividends at the end. But I think those are some of the things that you, you're going to get. And uh, and I think they're, you know, Morgan Frost is a tough one. York York is in defensemen are too. But you know what, guys? I mean, they're playing. everybody's playing their young guys now. So I really feel like, I mean, with Keith Yannel, I mean, again, how much, how hard he competes in the D zone uh, will determine most likely how often he plays, uh, you know, this year for, for the team and, our, and how many games he gets. But, that's a tough one because both guys have a lot. Uh, there's expectation in both of them. And it's a, it's going to be a difficult task for, for uh, AV and that staff to find those guys the kind of minutes that they're going to need to be successful. Right. right. Yeah. And I think it's interesting, too. I mean, I, you know, they re-signed Moran, which I was a little bit surprised by. But I, I kind of think that um, this that was done specifically to be Sam Moran is your number seven defenseman for the first part of the season let Cam York play some games in the AHL. Sure. And then and then the second half of the season, that role flips and Cam York comes up. And then you can kind of vacillate back and forth between York and Yandel or York and Braun or you, whatever and give York his opportunity in the second half of the season. That's yeah. that that that's kind of how I look at their their depth right now. And it, anything can change with injury, of course. Um, but I think that if if you know all be all things being equal, I think that that's kind of how they planet final either or for this episode who plays more games for the flyers this year wade allison or nick abe kubel uh, wade allison yeah i think so 100 i i'm not i'm actually i i don't even know if they like obey kubel i wondered that for like a couple of years now 
Like, I, I'm not sure they do. I'm not, I don't know, like, what he uh, – I think he's one of those guys. I think they see, like, a little bit of potential, but I have a feeling they get – for some reason, Anthony, maybe I'm wrong, I have a feeling that coaches get really, really annoyed with him for some reason. Well, so I think here's what I – here's – I think he's getting his last chance this year, and I say that because they did protect him. He wasn't – he wasn't left unprotected, right, on the, on the expansion list. So that means that they, you know, they wanted to keep him for a reason. And I think that they look at it and say, if maybe if we play him with veteran guys and, you know, cause he was on a very young line last year, but play him with guys who are responsible and play the game the right way, that maybe he'll stop being the penalty machine that he had, has become because there were glimpses prior to him becoming Mr. Penalty in his game that you kind of liked a little bit. He played with that little bit of an edge. He's not afraid to take the body. Um, he's not a terrible puck possession guy so I think that you look at it and say maybe there's that that's still there and if we can kind of get the laziness out of him get the AHL style play out of him and 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 then he could be a productive 12 minute a night guy on the fourth line and but if it fails then 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 you know Connor Bunneman's going to play or um or whatever the case might be somebody else will be in the lineup but I I think they wanted to give it one more shot with him yeah yeah, I think, and, I, and you know what, I, I guess that's the case. They did protect him, so it tells you pretty much, uh, you know, he's on the team at least to start, unless they, they feel there's some value to trade him, maybe give him a start and then move him out of here if there's someone else that uh, that they feel can play. But certainly if they do like, if they like Frost or Allison a lot more, they will make room to, to bring those guys. And that's one thing. I mean, if they have good camps uh, and they're too good to be playing in the American League and will help this team, they'll find a way to keep them if they, if they want to do that. Yeah, I think with Allison and and Frost. The one thing about Allison that I like is is he seems to me um, to be a bit of a versatile guy who's willing to take on whatever responsibility that they ask, whether it's all right, play up with some scoring players and and try and get get shots on goal and see if you can score some or play down on a on a more, um, you know, a checking line or, you know, uh, or even on the fourth line if need be and, and just provide a little bit of, of energy and spunk as well. So I think that he's willing to play either in either role. And I think that that's what, what they like about him. And I think that that's his versatility will ultimately get him more games at the NHL this year, right. I think, than, than Albe Kubel. Yeah. How much does it, does it endear a player to a coaching staff, especially to an experienced coaching staff, that a guy like Allison was willing and able <laughs> – to get to the net front and to compete hard in front of the opposing goaltender. Well, I think it's everything, you know, I mean, that's, that's, you know, at the end of the day, you know, I always say they, they, they look at all the skill now and the little guys and the little Johnny Gaudreau's stick, you know, whatever. And that's all cute and everything, but you know what? At the end of the day, man, you got a guy like this guy, Allison or uh, Matthew Kachuk, who's got skills. Well, those guys, Brady Kachuk, yeah, they get points. They go to the front of the net and they stay there. They wait for the puck to – they battle and they find that little bit of space and battle for pucks. That's a, still the bread and butter of any winger in a forward, you know, that's, that doesn't uh, – that's trying to make a name. And so the bigger and the harder you are and the feistier you are to get to that paint and to find those garbage loose pucks where most goals are scored, then the better – yeah, a coach – I mean, if I were a coach, I would love a guy like that. I don't, I don't want some little water bug, you know – whether determining whether he's going to go to the net because there's a big defense, but I want a guy who just goes there. Boom. I'm here. If it goes in great, if it doesn't, well, I got to get my ass back in the defensive zone and recycle again and hopefully come down and, and do it again. That I like, I like him for that. I like the fact that he goes to the front of the net. I don't think they had enough guys last year to go to the front of the net. 
And, and, and really at the end of the day, guys, that's where all the goals are scored. It's all, I mean, you see the shots going sometimes through screens and stuff, but at the end of the day, just take a look at our six feet around the net. That's where they all are. Guys making tough plays in around the goalie's feet, bat, oh, battling somebody, competing them for a loose puck. So to me, that's, you know, you don't have to be the most skilled guy in the world. You have to be the most determined guy in the world. And I, and I like those characteristics that Allison has for that. Well, I think you just said it best skilled and determined. Those are two things that we like to bring to the table here on the Snow the Goalie podcast. Gents, unless there's anything else that you find to be an ultimately pressing matter, I think that might be a good place to wrap for this week. Yeah. Glad to be here, guys. I'm thrilled. Episode one's in the books. Um, Again, I'm really looking forward to the year, uh, you know, adding another layer of the great stuff that you guys have already put on this show. So I was very, very, I said last year, you know, I wanted to come back when I said it, but you know what, I figured it was a good year for me to kind of like freelance on my own, do my, get my business project started, which, you know, I know we'll talk about as we move forward because it's important stuff uh, dealing with addiction and, and my trying to help people. But at the same time, um, you know, I, I, this is a, a great opportunity to leap right back uh, into, into the throes of pro hockey, especially all things Philadelphia Flyers. And I'm happy to be doing it with both of you guys. Well, we're happy to have you. That's, that's for damn sure. And more than more than anything, we're going to be happy to make a whole hell of a lot of Philadelphia Flyers fans happy now that you're on board. Uh, Make sure, ladies and gents listening out there, and I say ladies and gents, because I told Anthony and he's he's shocked by this, but we've been getting back the demographic reports. And would you believe that almost half of our audience are women? Well, I think we're all so good looking that they just well, I was, was going to say, I don't know. I don't know who's pulling in more, uh, you know, middle-aged uh, yeah, soccer moms between me and aunt, but I guess they're, they're out there. Who knows? You, uh, guys but we're, did that. you did that. That's right. We did that. We are an inclusive <laughs> podcast. We are for the people, right? So, uh, you know, a big thank you as always to everybody who's listening out there. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast. Uh, over on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, wherever you listen. Don't forget, you can subscribe and listen on any smart device. If you have an Apple product, you can ask Siri. If you have a Google product, you can ask Google. If you have an Amazon product, you can ask Alexa to play the newest episode of Snow the Goalie Flyers podcast. Bingo, bango, bongo. You don't even have to get off your couch. If you have one of those smart devices in your bedroom, you don't even have to get out of bed. You can just listen to the dulcet tones of Anthony Sanfilippo, Bundy, and myself as we, you know, put you to, I don't know, I guess we wake you we up with put our him, energy We don't want to put morning. him to sleep, Russ, come on. No, 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 but it's like the end of the episode, you know, we kind of play off and then people are like, all right, good, I feel better about this team or I feel like somebody's actually heard me, you know, like we can yeah. do that, but we also like to wake people up with some energy. So uh, wherever you listen, whenever you listen, we're grateful <laughs> to have you out there. Make sure you follow. And this is, this is like a new thing that I have to do. Now that it's no longer just a two-man show, Ant, I've got to make sure that I get a Twitter handle correct because I can't screw it up. It'd be really bad if I messed this up. So make sure you go follow us all over, uh, you, obviously on Facebook, facebook.com slash snowthegoalie. You can find us on Twitter at AntSanPhilly, at JoyOnBroad, and now at CTarian6, which, by the way, will be linked in the episode description. You can go follow Bundy. If you're not following him already, I don't know what you're doing. If you want real analysis that no longer has to be filtered i took the summer off a little bit i took the summer off a little bit just from everything guys so i knew i was lining up with this but i actually had a great plateau to start this because i had those clown mech players the other day those little pansies crying to the fans and i dude i'm looking going is this for real 
Like this is, I just, I mean, I, I know we talk, it's a, it's what an embarrassment yeah. to say that, but perfect, perfect ramp for what I needed. Well, hey, you, you, you should, you should, you can should, you imagine you, you, know what you should do is you should take down. it from there. You should take it from there, Bundy and, and rip Ben Simmons today. What did he do this time? I'll look later. That, take, take a look. He, he told, he told he Sixers. didn't dunk in that playoff game. He passed it. Well, and you better be careful and you better be careful what you say, because Embiid is actually the one who's starting to catch a little bit of flack because he defended Simmons, said that the media fabricates things and then also told Philly fans that they need to be better. So that's that's going to be a very he's lucky that he's built up a lot of rapport with the fans and he's built a lot of uh, fan equity because that's a gutsy thing to say, especially in the city. But he's a beloved athlete. So. Yeah, I think he'll be okay, but a wild bunny. I can't imagine. I cannot imagine players from ten or fifteen years ago doing anything like this, saying anything like this publicly, and and managing to survive in Philadelphia. But here we are. It's 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 it's, it's honest to God, guys. It's mind boggling. Like I mean, I'm thinking to myself, you guys are actually doing. They do it to New York fans. I know they're Mets fans, but I mean, it's in. <laughs> No, like they're, they're not they're not real New York fans, they're just no, Mets they're fans. Yankees are real fans. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the Mets and the Jets and the Yankees and the Giants, right? So right. now we're really gonna tick off the New York base now. Which yeah. is <laughs> but you know what? I, yeah. I mean just like I just couldn't believe athletes did that. I mean to their fan base. So yeah, especially after a pandemic. They've been out all year and then they come back and they they fire one back at the fans. We'll get on that one yeah. another week. Yeah. Yes, about. we certainly will. So again, yeah. make sure you follow the podcast wherever you get your podcast. Let a Listen, let everybody know, let your family know, let your friends know, let everybody know that Chris Terrian has now officially joined the Snow the Goalie podcast. We're doing all kinds of stuff with social media, so make sure you follow us on Facebook and Twitter. And uh, for Bundy, for Ant, I'm Russ. Thanks for listening. All the links that we described, all the social links are in the description of this episode. We will talk to you again next week. It's a new chapter. It's a new dawn. It's a new day. Snow the Goalie, the only Flyers podcast.